Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast, The Load Seasons, for Friday, the 10th of November. See, I'm still way ahead of Callum here. <laughs> uh, I'm joined by Josh and a lovely guest, Graham. How am I pronouncing this? Linehan? Linehan, yeah. I am getting that right. So I always pronounce soft it wrong. Eye, yeah. I, I always pronounce it wrong. But thank you so much for coming in. This has been really know, interesting. Thank you. I'm a big fan of your work, actually. Good. At least nice to know someone still is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your work was never. Um, derided on its own terms, was it? It's like J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah. No, but I do think it was kind of part of the reason I was cancelled is because it was yeah. so beloved. Yeah. Oh, oh, Same with Rowling. You know, they, they yeah. come after people whose stuff they, you know, is is liked by people. You know, I, th- I think it's because they view it as basically like traitors or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's kind of wild, isn't Heretics. it? Heretics. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you've got to sign up to the idea that actually there's no difference between men and women and actually men can become women and vice versa. And if you don't, you're a Nazi. Yeah. What's it like being a Nazi now, Father? Well, <laughs> Sorry, it's an old joke. It's on, it's on the internet everywhere. I've, I've always wanted to say it to you in person. <laughs> but what is it like um, being part of the far right? Well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, a nice studio. No. <laughs> uh, you know, Thank you I so mean, much. What's, what's fascinating to me is how many of the, all the things that I used to associate with the far right mm. That I used to come at you about on online because I thought that uh, you represented these things: uh, misogyny, anti-Semitism. Uh, all of these things are now being kind of, you know, they're they're, far, they're left positions, you know. And, and, and everything I thought I was fighting, I'm now fighting again. But I'm, I'm I appear to be on the other side of it. So the way I always pictured myself, so I always thought of myself as a liberal, but then the liberals just went bonkers. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just be a conservative. It's fine. Yeah. But I'm not like a radical, you know, like, yeah, I'm yeah. Not like I, you know, I don't have like very extreme opinions on much thing and anything really. Just yeah. sensible opinions, I think. Well, you know, my, Posey as well. Like she doesn't strike me as a radical. It's just sensible opinions. And she's like, she's got the kind of right wing Nazi brush as well, you know? And it's, uh, it's just, and again, you know, the same people who are throwing that accusation at her yeah. are now kind of, uh, you know, engaging in a form of Holocaust denial. You know, it's extraordinary what's going on. Or, or worse, sort of Holocaust advocacy. Sometimes. Yes, yes. Um, which I suppose was, uh, well, we've got an announcement before we get into the first segment, but um, just a quick thing. So because of Armistice Day, um, usually uh, the weekends we have two shows that go out. Uh, they're going to be switched around. So Contemplations is normally on Saturday and Epochs on Sunday. But uh, Epochs is our history show, and it's going to be about um, Armistice Day. So that's coming out on the Saturday because it's thematically appropriate, and Contemplations will be out on the mm-hmm. Sunday. And if you aren't subscribed, why not? You should be. Give us your money, and you can get 33% off for three months if you use the promo code BIRTHDAY. So go and sign up and support us so we can get great guests like Graham in. It's also worth mentioning as well that the Contemplations is about the James Webb space telescope and all of those amazing images that have come out of that and uh, that's something i really care about and it will be good hopefully it's worth an extra day's wait i'm totally unimpressed with space i <laughs> yeah. i think space is so unimpressive so i'm just i but have to is, work with this <laughs> but josh I'm, I'm very assures, disappointed josh assures me this is good and interesting and exciting so go and watch it it's, it's one of the best <laughs> things that humanity's ever done yes <laughs> honestly i'm just winding you up <laughs> you know, it's impressive obviously um, <laughs> so it's just really funny because you get defensive about it. I, I do. You, <laughs> I know. You, you've bashed my scientific I passions know. before. I know. I'm a total luddite. You're bashing space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm anti space. <laughs> um, okay. Now I have to compose myself. So, 
this Saturday, uh, tomorrow, there's going to be two marches, as far as I'm aware, uh, and it. I think it could actually all end in tears, and I'm not... So, before we start, I've not advised anyone to go, but nor have I castigated anyone who wants to go. Uh, there's a, a lot of people online saying, don't go, it's going to be bad, and to be honest with you, it's definitely got the potential to be bad. Um, so, of course, on Saturday... The king, the prime minister, and various other notables will be giving their, um, that's a fair, like, uh, showing respect to the war dead at the cenotaph by laying wreaths and holding a two-minute silence. And there's going to be protests there in favor of um, a ceasefire in Gaza. Now, I'm not asking anyone to make a comment on whether they support Israel or Gaza or anything like that, but I think the issue isn't really about that here, the issue really is about the lack of respect for, well, a venerable British tradition. Am I wrong? I, I very much agree. I think that the choice to make it on, um, you know, on Saturday yeah. is a very deliberate one. On and, Armistice Day. Uh, yeah. And um, th there have been many different um, protests that have been on, say, work weeks. So saying, oh, well, it's just a weekend, it's just a coincidence is perhaps a little bit of a convenient get out. But um yeah. I don't necessarily know the ins and outs of it, whether they're deliberately doing it or not definitively, but I would imagine that there's a certain amount of it. Perhaps they're trying to actually get some of the credibility of, um, you know, the, the armistice uh, event and try and apply that to their protest in, in trying to make them out to be comparable things, perhaps. There's certainly a lack of research. What do, what do you think on this before we go on? Well, you know, Irish people have always had a kind of mixed uh, feelings about the poppy, you know, yeah. because it represents different things in some ways. Um, but, you know, honoring the war dead it seems a, um, a good thing to do, especially when you're talking about the fight against Nazism. Uh, which, I think it was World War One, actually. Oh, it's, so it's, it's the World Kaiser, War. right? Okay, but still, the fight against Germans is yeah, <laughs> it's close enough. Yeah, but uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've been in Westminster both times while the uh, recent um, events have been going on, hmm. and uh, I don't know. I see. I'm seeing a lot of white white guys. You know, I'm seeing a lot of middle. You know, young white men. Uh, I saw an extraordinary thing of uh, a bunch of white hipsters uh, praying to Mecca, which I thought was really? an extraordinary sight. Yeah, yeah. Right. They had rugs laid out. And, they were, and uh, I don't know. I think what it is, is I think there's an opportunistic um, aspect to this where uh, a lot of, uh, you know, people, uh, Arab people, their kind of what they see as their struggle is being glommed onto by the same kind of people who have been, um, you know, who spent the last five years not working on a on a on a way of uh, uh, achieving peace in the Middle East, but have spent that time cancelling women. You know, yes, there's, de there's definitely a remote. The Venn diagram overlaps a lot. Between... I'm seeing a lot of pronouns in people who are yeah. who are denying what happened on October the seventh. You know? It is also worth mentioning, I've realized that my poppy is still on my jacket. That wasn't a deliberate choice not to wear it. It's just that I had uh, I, forgotten I, to transfer it over. Yeah. My, my poppy's probably going to be on for the next six months because I'll forget <laughs> it's there. But, uh, <laughs> but I have mine, so another black mark against Josh. <laughs> yeah, they're adding up, aren't they? Um, so one thing that's really bothering me is the very weak uh, response to this from the establishment, as we see the Met Police here, tweeted out a few days ago. Um, we're asking you not to go. We'd like you to urgently reconsider. 
because um, the uh, the who's the name of the chat? It's Deputy Commissioner Ade Adelakan. Okay, um, says it's not appropriate to hold protests in London on the weekend. So, okay, that's interesting because actually, it is within your power to um, shut areas of London down. So you could make it that they were nowhere near, but instead of taking any kind of affirmative action, they're just saying, please don't. It's um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, no, it's my understanding that in London, you've got to apply to have a protest beforehand. Don't yeah, you? So, so you it has to license be approved, which um, is questionable all on its own. But one has to wonder why they're not perhaps taking a heavier hand, considering that there's already, already something that would uh, conflict with it. In yeah, the remembrance. I mean, you. I mean, if it, it could be any protest, but you could easily just say, "Sorry, no, no protests allowed on this day because of national sentiment." Mm. That'd be a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Yeah, protest tomorrow, protest the day before, just not today, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. So, who is protesting? So, the uh, the people protesting are the uh, Palestine Solidarity Campaign, and they plan, as uh, you can see to assemble at 12 noon in Hyde Park and then march, march to the U.S. Embassy in Vauxhall. Uh, full details of the route will be announced shortly, and they're hoping to get a million people um, because, of course, they had protests uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the protest is organized by the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, the Friends of Al-Aqsa, the Stop the War Coalition, Muslim Association of Britain, Palestine Forum in Britain, and Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. And as you can see, they're bussing people in from around the country. That last one's a little bit left afield, isn't it? Um, yeah, what's it got to do with nuclear disarmament? <laughs> but um, my knowledge of London isn't that good because uh, I'm a sort of Devonshire country boy. And so does that go past the, the cenotaph at all? Do I it's that? not supposed to. Okay. But as you can see, the full details of the march will be released on the day. Okay. So who knows, right? Now, you'll get people saying it's not going to go anywhere near the cenotaph but it has done previously. They've had previous marches. And one of the interesting things is uh, a former Hamas leader is behind all of this and is going to be leading it. He's the founder of the Muslim Association of Britain. He's a terrorist. Yeah, and uh, terrorist as recognized, or at least a former terrorist, I suppose, as recognized by the British government. Yeah, actually formally recognized by the British government. He lives in a council house in London now. <laughs> he was involved with their strategy as recently as 2019. Is this the uh, gentleman that got £129,000, I think that was the number, of government grant money to buy his property in London as well? Oh, I, oh no, if he's in a council house, of course not. No, no but I, I mean, we're paying for Mohammed Kathem Salwala, former leader of Hamas, to live in London. <sighs> bonkers, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> like, what, why, would, why is he here? How is he allowed in this country? Yeah. Oh. You're not. You're no longer leading the terrorist group, right? Okay, that's fine. Um, there, might, there might be a. The problem might might be that the the original reaction to the atrocity on the seventh of October yeah. wasn't strong enough. It, like in terms of you know people, there should have been a unite. There should have been a day of mourning. There should have been all sorts of things to mark that occasion. And unfortunately, we've we've moved so far beyond it now that we've had three or four days completely dedicated to you know overlooking what happened on that day you know i still feel like we know we haven't properly mourned the dead you know 1300 is it? yeah 
Yeah. I've um, seen interviews with people in the States that have gone to pro-Palestine marches that weren't even aware of what happened in the first place. There are ones in Britain. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, I haven't covered, seen those. I covered one in Britain. Okay. Um, just these people are like, oh, I don't know what happened on the 7th. I'll have to go look that up. But I, I've been kind of talking about this for a while um, because, you know, my my hobby horse is the is the trans issue because of yeah. what, what it's doing to women and children. Um, and uh, I... I think that there's been a kind of collapse in trust in the media because, you know, when Eddie Izzard is, is on and they're using she, her pronouns, yeah. they're literally lying in, into people's faces. Um, and I think that it's leading to a kind of, everyone knows about faked footage and propaganda and stuff like this, and no one knows what's true. So I feel like we've had this terrible thing of it's a similar thing with the Charlie Hebdo attacks, mm. which is that the bodies weren't even cold before people were coming out in the streets uh, in favor of Hamas, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's really uh, disturbing the way uh, uh, atrocities don't have the kind of traction that, you know, I remember from something like yeah. Columbine, Columbine, that mm. devastated us for, for weeks, you know? What, what I find strange is, why is there a, a very loud and active constituency that's in favor of the attackers? Like, that's a weird thing, isn't it? I know, I know. I don't know how you can look at the image of the of, of women's broken bodies uh, in the back of trucks being yeah. spat on and not come away at least thinking, well, maybe I'll leave it a while before I <laughs> go marching. For I need to get on Twitter right away and support those people, yeah. It's been extraordinary. Yeah. I've never seen such a, a, a kind of, such moral, um, uh, just a moral failure, you know? It's a weird kind of moral fragmentation because they do have a, a moral argument on their side and say, well, what, look what Israel's doing to the Palestinians. Okay, yeah, that's, mm. that's fair. Mm. Um, so, but it's this very just impenetrable divide between the two that I don't think can ever really be bridged. Mm. And then it comes here, and we have to deal with it. And it's like, oh, God, why do we have to deal with this as well, you know? Um, so anyway, obviously the veterans are like, well, hang on a second. You can't just march past the cenotaph and desecrate it again on Armistice Day. And so, of course, they were warned, well, don't go and stage a counter-demonstration. It's like, well, how can you ask people not to do that? You know, you, that's a ridiculous ask. Of course, they're going to want to. <laughs> but there is, I think, you know, we've seen, I mean, I have to say the, you know, the Let Women Speak events mm. at the very, very start in London, sorry, of the most recent ones, they were very, you know, the first one was very, first and second were very poorly policed. Mm. Um, and as soon as they kind of, uh, you know, got exposed how bad it was they they really stepped up their game and yeah suddenly they were keeping the pro protesters a long way away oh, that's from the women who were speaking yeah they were very very good yeah that's good but i worried i just think that you know i was i was looking at them the other day when at, at another let women speak event and i just thought gosh they're stretched at the moment you know and it's all because of people who you know, who want to come out and, and they really physically want to attack these women, you know? I have physically been attacked by them myself. Have you? Where? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in London and in King's College London, yeah. uh, I was physically attacked by a bunch of Antifa, but it's okay because I took their flag. So uh, <laughs> I, I have an Antifa flag at home that I captured from. Oh, good. Um, yes. <clears throat> but Such the, a symbolic victory as well, is, taking yeah, their flag. It's pretty good. But, um, <laughs> but you are right. They, they are actually violent people. And one thing I can't help but notice on 
what I'm just going to call the other side of the argument, the non-left-wing crazy side of the argument, none of these people have been violent. Even though they don't all agree, none of these people would go out and just beat them. Sorry, who are you talking about? Just anyone else who's not the sort of radical left. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, you know, the Let Women Speak events are literally ordinary women who put their hand up and have like five minutes to say Mm. something. And you would think that they were, um, you know, you. (laughs) (laughs) But even then, like, but that's the point, isn't it? Because, like, whenever it's been on our side of the thing, none of our guys have been going out to try and start fights. No. It's always been them on their side with their masks and whatever else to come and fight with us. It's like, look, we we don't want to fight. Mm. We want to be able to say what we want to say, you know, to protest as we want to protest, just like the... Let me speak of it, just like any of these other events, to be honest. Well, the very the very act of not letting people speak is it's it's basically a smokescreen. It's mm-hmm. it's trying to create enough chaos that it feels like what the people are trying to say is somehow evil. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that's why that's why as a phrase, let women speak is is so powerful. Mm. Because what is wrong with that? You know? Well, I'm married, so I can't really comment. <laughs> it also doesn't help that. Sorry, Tyler, I'm just joking. <laughs> it, it doesn't help that the media coverage will quite often cover these sorts of things where people are minding their own business, they get attacked, and then the media will quite often paint it as if, well, they were instigating it in some way, even though it was just them speaking their mind, saying what they wanted to, and then people turn up who aren't involved and then attack them or assault them, milkshake them, throw soup, those Ooh, sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. There's a, there's a, and, and the media, the same media who are kind of allowing this to happen because they don't, they won't interview Kelly J. They won't interview Stella O'Malley. They won't interview, um, you know, uh, Helen Joyce. Mm. Uh, they don't let any of these people on, uh, because, and the reason I think they won't let them on is because they are all entirely sensible, gentle, compassionate people, you know, uh, maybe Kelly's a bit, a bit, uh, pugnacious, but like, yeah, but that's what I like about it. Yeah, me too. But like, but like they are like, uh, you know, what they're most frightened of seeing mm. is the compassion that they feel for many of the people that they've been told. I mean, the, people have been told these people hate, uh, yeah. a, a certain group of people and, uh, yeah, all you hear is compassion and understanding and a, and a desire to help them. But you also know. the arguments are persuasive. I think that really is it. Yes. You know, if you get someone who stands up and says, well, look, I think X is this for whatever reasons, they know that people are going to be like, yeah, well, I agree with that because that's a common sense position. And honestly, it's almost with, with everyone who the media demonizes, in some way, that's basically what it boils down to, I think. That, that's why, you know, like I, I, did a, I did an interview recently and like all the interviews I, I do, I'm, I'm pointing at things and, and uh, people just keep looking at my finger, you know, and, and, and like, uh, but the very first thing I said in the, in the interview was, you know, children are being mutilated and sterilized, you know, and like the next thing it's, it's about me, you know, using naughty words on Twitter. And it's like, why did we just skip over the mutilation and sterilization of children? Surely that's like a significant uh, issue with high stakes that should be explored. But they're terrified of exploring it for not just because none of them are briefed, none of them understand the issue. But the second thing is they know that they have been merrily reporting on everything under the sun except this issue for the last five years. So a huge medical scandal is underway and has been underway. It's yeah. probably destroyed a whole generation of gay kids. And, um, 
and they just, you know, pretended it wasn't happening. Yeah, you know? we, we've spoken to many detransitioners. We've had a bunch into interview, and it's just, it's just harrowing. It's just it's, genuinely harrowing. It, it's one of those things that history is not going to look very kindly on, and particularly the fact that you know when I was at university and around say ten years ago, these sorts of things would have been very abnormal. You know, mm. when I was studying psychology, it, it was taught as gender dysphoria, which is a mental health condition like other dysphoric conditions. Mm. Yeah. And it was just, it, it wasn't even questioned. Sorry to have to drag us back onto the topic. Oh, of sure, course, sorry. sorry. Um, but uh, Nigel Farage is, of course, uh, quite strident on this, calling the police gutless uh, for not um, banning the pro-Palestinian march. And, of course, what happens when the authorities fail in their duty to uphold the sacred days that the British have in their hearts, well, you get people like Tom Robinson coming out and saying, well, okay, we're going to have our own counter-protest. Um, again, Tommy is one of those people who I think is just mostly just smeared. Um, I, I mean, he's, he's got, you know, a, he's got his uh, downsides, but generally I think that he's not nearly as bad as, as people think he is. Um, and so they're the, him and his supporters are going to go out and pro- counter-protest around the Cenotaph. So, of course, GB News. That's weird framing from GB News. Fears grow of far-right yobs clashing with innocent pro-Palestine march. Like, sorry, the pro-Palestine march is led by an actual Hamas terrorist. Like, you can say whatever you want about Tom Robinson, but he's never been convicted of terrorism. He's never been part of a prescribed group. Like, so, actually, I think he was. No, no, he was a member of the BNP when he was like 18. So, but they're not prescribed, are they? I'm not entirely sure. No, I think they I actually, don't know very much about I think they actually stand in elections. Um, but the point being, an actual terrorist is not in some way denigrated by the apparently the, the common sense outlet, GB News. Um, you can see the uh, replies to this uh, have not been very kind <laughs> to GB News <laughs> because mm. that, that is disgusting framing, frankly. I saw this as advertiser courtship, really. I know that they... Um have been having troubles with advertisers yes. in the past and uh, perhaps this would be the kind of thing that they'd say, see, we're not all bad. I mean, at the first pro-Palestine demonstration, they were literally chanting death to Jews. Mm. Just, It's just actually staggering. The one in Swindon, which I heard, even though I didn't necessarily want to, was uh, the from the rivers to the sea yeah. chant. So yeah. that, that's uh, been prescribed yeah. as anti-Semitic by some. But I the problem is far-right yobs who just want the cenotaph to not be desecrated. Hmm. I don't think it's going to be a good weekend. No, no. I don't. You know. Like I said, I'm not advising anyone to go or anything like that. But if you do go, I'm, not, I'm absolutely not going to tell you off for doing so. Um, Sinek and Braverman have both come out saying, well, um, they shouldn't do this. This is, this is wrong and disrespectful. And it's really interesting because actually it's Braverman who holds the keys here. Uh, she's the person who could say, you can't have that protest. And for some reason, she just won't use her executive authority as the Home Secretary to just prevent it. And I don't know why. Um, From my understanding to conversations with many police officers, um, the police have never been under more political control than now. And so the the sort of argument that the Prime Minister couldn't do something is a rather weak one. It just means nothing. I mean, Mm. like the Prime Minister appoints the Home Secretary, the Home Secretary controls whether the police uh, are going to allow a protest to happen or not. So it's totally within the power of the Conservative Party right now to just say, okay, we're just not going to allow the pro-Hamas thing, and therefore Tommy doesn't need to go down to London, and therefore it can just be a peaceful day of remembrance that everyone actually wants. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they can just have the protest tomorrow, uh, the, the day after. But um, for some reason, there's not. And 
I think it is just that uh, people are concerned because uh, other cenotaphs in the country have been defaced with free Palestine uh, graffiti. So it seems that there is a kind of animus here. And so I'm just genuinely quite concerned about tomorrow. Basically, if you're going, just be good. Act as if you're going to church. Don't do anything stupid because um, no, no one's going to be on your side afterwards if you do. Um, so just be sensible. We'll leave that there. Okay. Um, now, something perhaps even more controversial. Um, we can't put this on YouTube, can we? We, we can't, no. So I, I can at least avoid the uh, YouTube uh, terms and conditions language that I have to use. Just as a quick thing, Graham, we don't normally have to not put segments on YouTube. Normally, everything we put up, we can put on YouTube. Really? You come in. Okay, we can't put this on YouTube. Are you, are you, are you, <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I, I've done this especially for you as well. I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so, That's how controversial you are compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to elephants in the room, I think there are many. Um, and one that I've, I've always said for a very long time is that um, the biggest elephant in the room is uh, missing transgender news coverage in Jordan. I, I find that this is something that... You, you don't find this? I, 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 this keeps me awake at night. Well, the fact that Jordan, the country, doesn't have transgender news coverage. Yes. and um, <laughs> It's not so much as an elephant in the room as an elephant not in the room. It, it very much is, isn't it? And um, the reason I draw attention to this in particular is the, the people who are associated with this article. And it is the Reuters Institute and the University of Oxford. And right. Both of these are very, very important institutions. So the Reuters Institute, as well as having sort of journalistic schools and generally uh, setting the tone for journalism more generally, because um, if, you, if you don't know, um, Reuters tend to be the ones who report on lots of news stories first, and then other news outlets will see their reporting and then cover it themselves. That's why quite often you'll see commonalities in word choices that are very sort of idiosyncratic in lots of articles across the UK. It's because quite often Reuters will use a word and then other journalists will then use that because they lack imagination because they're in journalism. Because they're stupid and lazy. Yes. Um, Am I wrong? <laughs> but um, I wanted to read a, a short extract from this because it's... Um, fraught with nonsense, as you can probably imagine. So um, it is as follows. In Jordan, trans issues remain largely absent from the news agenda. It's worth mentioning as well that uh, Jordan is 97% Muslim. Um, often deemed a Western concern, it's brushed aside with statements like, it has no place in our culture, society, or religion. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I, I say that about Britain as well, but um, even more so, I think, in the Islamic world. And, it, and she goes on to say, My journalism fellow project seeks to shatter this misconception, revealing that transgender issues transcend geographical boundaries. Well, that's news to me. People get and paid the data. to do this. Yes, they are. They get paid. And probably quite handsomely, yeah. considering uh, who they're associated with. Statistics, um, according to her, from a 2023 Ipsos report spanning 30 countries, inc including Turkey, Singapore, Thailand, and Japan indicate that 3% of the global population identifies as transgender, non-binary, or other than male or female. Translated to Jordan's context, this represents a staggering uh, 345,000 individuals among its 11.5 million populace. Mm -hmm. So, um, Do you believe that, Graham? <laughs> Do you think there are 350 nearly thousand transgenders in Jordan? There's quite an extrapolation error here. That uh, Just assuming that in in a global population that the, the, the variance is going to be consistent and universal amongst all countries. I know it's yes. sort of an estimate, uh, but even so, 
one would assume it to be much lower in Muslim countries. I can't help but think, I, I mean, you know, call me a racist for this, but is Thailand skewing the statistics there slightly? It may well be. And they're more transgender people. I also in think, um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As with many um, polls, I find that people who go into political polling more generally are people who weren't um, capable enough to go into academic statistics. And so they're, they're fraught with um, methodological errors. This is a, a thing that is one of my passions because I, I did research methodology at university and Wasn't on this a regular. What your master's dissertation was it? Um, uh, well, I, I did my dissertation in decision making, but I, I did come up with a new form of data analysis for binary data. Right. So um, I know my stuff, hopefully. Just let you peacock a little bit there. Yeah, thank you. Right. Thanks for the setup there. But um, yes, there's, there's likely just errors in how they've asked the questions, worded things, uh, analyzed the statistics to inflate that figure. Um, so you're a trans denier. It seems like it, yes. And the, the final paragraph I'm going to read from this is, This invisible community grapples with marginalization, familial isolation, societal discrimination, and legal hurdles in Jordan. Access to medical treatment and accurate identification is a privilege denied, resulting in limited educational employment opportunities and a rough path to a peaceful life. And I think that this is trying to invent problems in which they do not exist. And this is a sort of casus belli in my mind, to start interfering in other countries um, in a sort of colonial style way where we're imposing um, ideas that have only really taken root in the Anglosphere to countries that will not welcome them and will be very hostile to us. And it, I think, um, not to sound a little bit too sensationalist, so please stop me if you think so, but one of the reasons for um, the rise of radical Islam since the 1970s, one was uh, uh, King Faisal of Saudi Arabia spreading uh, Wahhabist schools in the Middle East. Another is um, they recognized um, subversive ideology infiltrating the Islamic world from the West. Well, that's what Wahhabism is. It, yes, it, it is. Comes it, from resistance it, to it, liberalism. But it, it wouldn't necessarily be fair to say it's the same thing. They're sort of two sides of the same coin, sure. though. But um, I can see pushing this sort of thing as causing a massive reaction to. The, the people who are doing so. And it's my belief that if we start pushing this sort of thing on the, the Islamic world, people will die because of this. So I, I don't want to be hyperbolic and you know over-egg it, but I, I do think that there is an element of life or death because, of course, people um, in Islamic countries won't necessarily recognize that it's not all of British society and so will attack us well, in retaliation. Well, you know, what's interesting about Thailand is I believe in, in Thailand, like it, there's, there was a funny uh, story. There was a, you may remember a trans activist called Tara Wolf, who became famous because uh, he punched uh, a grandmother at a speaker's corner um, uh, a couple of years. Oh, sorry, what? I didn't hear about this. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I heard this, about this. Yeah. This is one of the, the, one of the things, this piqued a lot of people. Man punches grandma. Man yeah. in dress punches grandma. Yeah. That's how you know they're the good guys. He, he punched her and then uh, he, he was charged. Uh, but but uh, Maria McLachlan, who was um, the woman who was punched, because she refused to use female pronouns for him, uh, he didn't get uh, much in the way of, uh, of uh, punishment. He is now in Thailand. Uh, kickboxing against <laughs> men. And the reason he's kickboxing right. against men is okay. because in Thailand, it's illegal for men to fight against women. And he actually said in an interview, 
I hope to be able to fight women again someday. <laughs> That's truly ridiculous. Well done, Thailand. Though. Yeah, but my point I'm is... I'm surprised, my, Thailand. My, mm. my point is that when you think about Thailand, you think of it as a place where uh, that kind of um, uh, gender nonconformity is like really part of the culture. Mm. But they know the difference between men and women, you know? And they don't pretend otherwise. They, they they understand this is a bit of a fetish, really. Right? Yeah. Well, there's the other another interesting thing I saw. There was a there was a BBC show by Sue Perkins, and I think she was somewhere like, I think it was Calcutta. Could be wrong. And um, she was kind of in that BBC way, waxing lyrical about the thriving trans scene. You know, <laughs> what in Thailand? Yeah. And I just <laughs> just. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, I looked up when homosexuality was uh, was uh, legalized in the country, and it was like a year before the show was filmed. So, of course, there's a thriving trans scene because they they drive gay people into you know the only acceptable um, expression of their uh, gender nonconformity, which is which is uh, uh, pretending to be women. Is that similar to the Iranians then? Exactly. Like, that's another thing. Really interesting. Pink News used to praise Iran for... (laughs) Forcibly transitioning gays. For their trans, their their, their kind of uh, progressive attitude to trans people. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth looking up, worth looking up Pink News in Iran for for their coverage. So... (laughs) It's just, I would say if there's any truth to the figure, I would say a lot of the people have uh, very good internet connections and are all speaking English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like these are, the, you know, this is an American uh, phenomenon yeah. that's spread mm-hmm. basically through the internet, you know, like a social, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word? A mass delusion that's spread through the I- internet. And it's, and it's really, it really takes most hold in countries that are a little bit obsessed with America. I think that's why Japan is currently, uh, yeah, I believe there's a rape crisis center that's that's been closed down or something because it won't uh, admit men in Japan. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'd love to know more about that 345,000 figure. Mm. So the funny thing is that The Guardian has unintentionally refuted this, and I, I, I really enjoy you know lo- using left-wing outlets to refute their own narratives. <laughs> it's, it's a good sport. One I try and engage in very often, and that is talking about the census records. Um, and the title of the article is "Census Records: um, uh, Trans Population in England and Wales, but Accuracy is Doubted." No so, kidding. <laughs> I'm going to read just a short part from this. It says the proportion of people who had a different main language than English who said they were trans was four times higher than the 0.4 percent of the population with English as their main language or English or Welsh in Wales. Overall, 13 percent of people identifying as trans did not speak English well, and the London boroughs of Newham and Brent recorded more than double the average proportion of respondents identifying as trans, more than places such as Brighton and Cambridge. I can't believe they wrote this. So hang on a second. Are they saying that, <laughs> that loads of foreign transgenders have moved to England? No, it's that they didn't understand the question, and because the the language barrier, they didn't even understand that transgenderism is a thing in the first place, and so were thrown off by the question and answered right. it wrong. Yeah, and so it's so led do we to know that, or could it figures. be that it's uh, trans refugees? Even the Guardian's not taking that line, Carl. You're trying to outflank them on the left, are you? Okay, okay, you got me. Yeah. And none of these, none of these words have any uh, stable definition. 
trans doesn't mm -hmm. really mean anything because it can mean a person who's a transsexual or Eddie Izzard, who's, who's just a transvestite. Um, you know, it means children who are going through a rough puberty and, and, uh, and, and feel that something's wrong, uh, which most people going through puberty feel. Um, so, you know, the idea of putting any of these questions on a census has always been absurd. Of course, mm. it's going to fail. Of course, it's going to be a mess, you know. Mm. But unfortunately, we've we've had so many organizations, including government organizations, infiltrated by ideologues that, you know, we get we get a mess like this. Absolutely. And um, I, I want to have a look at some UK based news just to make the point that I think that a lot of the trans advocates think that now the sort of Anglosphere is a sort of safe base of operations to then go about um, to other places. And I don't think they're necessarily misguided in that. And I think uh, the sort of uh, icing on the cake is uh, this article. Sorry for having to use the Express, but I, I thought that the uh, headline was the, the most appealing. Tory MPs break out in open warfare in major row ahead of King's speech. And this is, of course, to do with the ban on conversion therapy and the, uh, I suppose, the schism in the Conservative Party schism. is schism, sorry, um, is that the inclusion of transgenderism and that people are saying, well, you're not going to be able to question it then. You can only legally advocate for people doing so, which um, is not backed up by the data, in my view, in my reading of the research, which I have read relatively extensively. Major Australian study on Kirabel came out today. So, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. haven't heard about that yet. Yeah, it says it's just, you know, based the, the, the you know, uh, claims about stopping suicide are completely false. And mm. uh, uh, Kira's story is basically used as a basis to uh, to uh, expand outwards. And 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 what it kind of proves is that is that like uh, early affirmation, which is the which is what they're talking about here. They're saying that early affirm they think that anything other than early and instant affirmation is conversion therapy. Oh, it's a cult, isn't it? It's dragging people into the cult. Yeah, it's recruiting. Yeah, mm, it's recruitment. Yeah. You know, in my view, there's there's no reason for um, that view if you have an objective reading of the literature, even if you are completely <laughs> devoid of any knowledge <coughs> of the politics around it. Um, particularly some of the things published in the late 90s, it's not fraught with lots of this ideology. And you get much better quality research going on there. And actually, they were coming up with much better suggestions for how to help these people, which um, is part of the reason why I'm you know, quite a, an advocate for fighting against this sort of stuff. Yeah. The Welsh have also um, decided to redefine women to include transgender females. So What's their definition? It's not just in Westminster. Um, the, the definition of woman is one of my personal canards because I'm very hot on linguistics. So I, I want to... What, what's the definition then? Well, can I, I just... But can I also point out transgender females? What? Yeah, there's no, that's, a, mm. that's a trans that's a, man. That's an insane thing. Yeah, a transgender female is a trans man. Yeah. So, you know, even the Telegraph, which is which is fairly doubtful about this ideology uses language that is confusing yeah. and people don't even know like i i think there was some study recently and they and it was found out that people thought that trans women uh referred to women who were trans so trans men it is a counterintuitive label isn't it really that's the whole the whole uh uh, ideology is deliberately confusing and deliberately counterintuitive because it does not want people to be able to talk about it 
you know? So um, I'm a bit disappointed with that headline from the Telegraph. Mm. It's a bit weird. It's going to be more where that came from as well. This, oh, really? this is also amazing as well. So, I mean, they haven't given us the verbatim definition, but the purpose of the proposed legislation includes transgender women. Uh, so it's just going to include men who are saying that they're going to become women or pretending or whatever. But the definition further stated that transgender meant a person who is proposing to undergo or is undergoing or has undergone the process. So... This will be another Nicola Sturgeon situation. Ah, look at this rapist. Ah, suddenly I'm transgender. I'm proposing to go undergo the surgery. Yeah. Put me in the women's prison, please, boss. Yeah. Unbelievable. It really is. You can be proposing to undergo for your whole life. Exactly. You know? There's not going to be a time limit on it, is there? Yeah. And that's why transgender uh, is such a useless word compared to transsexual, yeah. which actually yeah. means something. Transsexual means someone who has actually gone <clears throat> through uh, a, a, a really, you know, violent pro process mm. uh, to settle some issue that they have in in their mind. But transgender, that can be someone who's wearing black fingernail polish. Or, or exactly by their own standards, gender ideology, gender is a social construct, and so a transgender person could literally just be from second to second flipping. And so, what have you actually defined? What are you actually describing there? You know, absolutely nothing by their own standards. And that's why it's it's recruiting. You yeah. know. Yeah. Because it, as long as if you want to, it's just basically, do you want to be on this team? Yeah. This team of people who say they're special, say there's something uh, that they need to be treated differently from everyone else, that they're, uh, you know, and also it, like these, these, a lot of, you know, incredibly guilty liberal kids want to feel like they're part of a, a, a kind of a yeah. neglected uh, yeah. uh, minority because they feel terrible about yeah. their so-called crimes that they've yeah. been born with, you know. I have uh, quite a cynical view that is probably quite controversial that I think that there are people that are aware of the limitations and advocate for it anyway because they believe that if uh, people go through the operations then there's going to be a certain element of sunk cost fallacy well, well of where yes. I've gone this far and therefore they have yes. uh, a political advocate for life and they, they can't change their mind. And that is why you see... Uh, so-called trans influencers who you you know are fully intact encouraging children to get these operations to take these drugs you know it is the most that's the most disgusting aspect of this to me you know and they are doing it to bolster their place as a sacred class in society you know and they're making a decent amount of money from it as well yeah there's a lot of self-interest involved in it unfortunately So it's going to get worse as well as the stories go on. Um, transgender activist who said it, um, it would not matter if the number of female murders increased if men were allowed to self-identify as women is devising ethics rules for therapists. Yes. Which, um, you know... And would... they call me a misogynist. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. I, I just... I'm the misogynist. <laughs> One thing I find very frightening about these, um, these kinds of headlines and these kinds of people is these are... These are... Like that, that's kind of almost a description of a Thomas Harris novel, you know, Hannibal Lecter yeah. was a psychologist, yeah. was mm. a, you know, yeah. he was a therapist, I think, you yeah. know, he worked <laughs> <laughs> and now this person who says it doesn't matter if the number of female murders increased is devising ethics rules. I mean, it's, it's, it's really frightening how twisted some of this stuff is. Well, I'm going to come out and be very far right about this and say that I actually do think it matters if the number of women murdered increases. Study on, Carl. I know. I know. <laughs> you, I, I expect The Guardian to come and 
give me a hit piece now. But uh, no, I, I think that that person probably shouldn't be devising ethics rules. The annoying thing is, as well, <laughs> I've I've had run-ins with ethics committees, not bad ones, I might add. Um, you know, I I, I tried to think. Charles I, I I do have you know a tendency to design experiments using electrodes and things like that, but that that wasn't it. Um, but it, it was I had a back and forth with a very tepid experiment, which was computer based, asking people about decision making. Basically, asking them how did they come to their university decisions because there's a population of university students. And I had a back and forth three different times before they actually accepted my research proposal. And so. Your research proposal probably wasn't going to get women killed, was it? No, it wasn't. Clearly, I should have gone for something similar to this and they would have been all over it, um, apparently. But um, it's really quite a testament to how bad my discipline is being subverted because think organizations like the APA. Um, the British Psychological um, Society, um, please don't take away my accreditation. Um, they've all been subverted um, and they have now buckled to political pressure because there wasn't the evidence, um, in my view, to warrant these sorts of things. Mm. Well, it's the word, the word transgender might as well, might as well say Catholic or any religion you want to choose, you know, basically the word transgender is it it, it represents a, a religion, you mm-hmm. know, and and this is the new sacred class, and they they just can't be questioned. But we we can go further on that as well because it actually contains a metaphysic of its own because they always say born in the wrong body. Yes. So like, okay, well, where does the soul progener originate from before it arrives in the body? Then but you're already committed to the soul. Because I mean, like a normal person will say, well, the brain constructs the consciousness. And so it's a material phenomenon. Mm. You know, an atheist or a non-religious reading of that would be no. The, your, your consciousness is a product of your brain, and therefore you don't have a second body or something prior to your body. That can't possibly be the case. And so they are in the realms of religion mm. when they start saying things like that. And yeah, yeah. I've um, I've actually had uh, Christians correct me because I um, said that they believed in a sort of mind-body dualism, and they said actually there's a, a reading of Christianity whereby. Um, the, the soul is sort of the brain, if you will. And that, that kind of took me by surprise. I haven't read that much. so um, Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Christian scholar or anything, but th- mm-hmm. th- this is definitely re- arriving in the realms of religion. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the final thing I wanted to mention is, do you notice anything unusual about this um, Transgender headline? Transgender paedophile Hannah Tubbs. This is America, by the way. Right, so we're not misgendering or dead-naming the paedophile. Yes, and this is supposedly uh, the Daily Mail who are... Um, I guess the right-wing called, Daily Mail. Yeah, called things like yeah. fascist by some yes. people who don't know what fascism is um, and things like that. This is supposedly our, our right-wing news outlet just um, bending over backwards to use the language yes. of, of the left, which is very strange to me because... There is an explanation. Okay. It's a weird... It's a weird it, it just kind of shows how... Deeply, the 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 ideology has kind of uh, got into not just the press but everywhere. Apparently, if the the the, the equal treatment bench book in courts, uh, it it says that you should use someone's preferred pronouns if possible. I think unless mm-hmm. it things like unless it confuses the issue or upsets the victim, something like that. Um, and the press is forced to report uh, uh, that. You know what I mean? So they have to say she, or they, I think they'll be breaking the law. So even though Mail Online or Mail and Telegraph have been very good on this, even they are kind of uh, hobbled by some of these rules, you know? I had 
suspected that that might have been the case, but I wasn't able to actually find anything definitive. So thank you. Yeah. So to kind of reinforce my point that this stuff is being spread outside of the Anglosphere now, I saw um, a couple of articles which kind of took me aback a little bit, uh, such as this one, Inside India's First Hospital Clinic Exclusively for Trans People. And yes, this is, these are things that are now being set up in, in places like India. I suppose India is going to be one of, the, one of the earlier places to adopt this sort of thing simply because of the commonality of English. Who was it that was giving 50 million for gender studies in Pakistan? Um, that was, that, us was or America? that was the America. That was America. Yeah, so I think part, that was in the COVID relief bill. Wasn't yeah, it? that was right in the COVID relief bill. There was fifty million dollars earmarked for gender studies, which is going to be this nonsense in, in the Pakistan. COVID relief bill. Yeah. Mm. Oh, they they love their pork barreling in America. Really? Yeah, they stuff all sorts of stuff in. But that but that's a great example of how this is you know explicitly American ideology that is being paid to be exported mm. to countries that have got no interest in it whatsoever. Uh, to be charitable. To, to Americans as well. It's only a, a fringe of America. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not, not the average you, American worry, who wants this. Like, the average American probably doesn't want any money since Pakistan for any reason at all. But like, <laughs> <laughs> And they'd be right to, but, yeah. but why gender studies? Because mm -hmm. radical leftists are in control of Unintentionally subversive as well, which yeah, is um, kind of amusing. And um, also this as well. Interesting sort of puff piece from Al Jazeera of all uh, outlets. In India, transgender beggars use digital apps to avoid discrimination. This is the <clears> kind of news story that you know, everyone in the West wants to know about yeah. um, technology facilitating begging in India about yeah, transgender people. Al Jazeera is owned by Qatar, and you can imagine the kind of news they publish in Qatar is very different to the kind of news they publish in the West. Yeah. Um, in the West is all subversive leftism. The, the Qatari attitudes, one need only look at the uh, controversy around the World Cup being yeah. held there yeah. to know how they really feel. Mm. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, this it's is deliberately strange, Western isn't it? Facing. It's not it, strange. It certainly is. Yeah, it, it, this is a form of attack on our societies. That's what this is. It, it, yeah, and and isn't it interesting that it is uh, ideological colonialism? You know, which mm. is supposed to be the big bugbear, the thing we all object to, but uh, they're 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 basically just kind of um, uh, using tracing paper and putting down their own. Uh, mm -hmm. concepts onto these different societies, you know? And I, I don't think I've quite outlined just how insidious it is. Obviously, I've said that people may die because of this, but also you look at somewhere like Uganda, I covered um, the um, anti-homosexuality bill, and I listened to lots of their um, parliamentary discussions, and the rationale for lots of the people in favour of the bill was that, well, we were okay to tolerate this sort of thing, but then uh, Western politicians and NGOs came in and tried to push it further and further, and this is just too much for us. We've got to push back against it because we've seceded too much ground. Mm. And the thing is that people who are advocating um, against these sorts of bills, the, the best thing they can do is not push too hard because you'll get a, a, a reaction against it, and now they're more hardline than they ever were before. Yeah. And that same thing is going to go on here. And the the activists are actually going to shoot themselves in the foot um, because of their naivety or malevolence, I suppose. Yeah. Like I remember, um, do you remember the protests at the school in Birmingham? I think it was. I yeah. think so. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the way that was covered was uh, Muslim savages um, uh, don't like gay people, you know, but, but, I guarantee you the reason that they were there and the reason that there, there were protests is not because of gay people or gay rights. It was because of 
you know, telling kids they might be born into the wrong body, uh, telling kids that, you know, making toilets uh, uh, unisex. You know, these are things that go against Muslim, uh, observant Muslim uh, beliefs. To be fair, the gay thing may have been a part of that as well. Sure, but like, I don't think it would have hit a flashpoint if they were just saying to kids, some people are gay, get over it. Like, but the fact that they're actually saying some people are born in Toronto, you might actually be a boy, you know, all this stuff is like, uh, uh, you know, toxic to, to observant Muslims, you know, it's, to, it's toxic to anyone. And mm. I, I've got four kids, man. And, but my point I'm is you, the left yeah. has been, has been ignoring this clash oh, yeah. because it just doesn't fit with, with their, well, like yeah. we, we've seen the recent queers yeah. for Palestine, uh, debacle. <laughs> Uh, you know, I saw yesterday, I haven't shared it because it something, my, my new rule is if something is extremely shocking, don't share it until it's backed up by a load of people. But, um, it was, uh, it, it seemed to show a gay person being thrown from a roof and then stoned, you know, there's actually a fair amount of footage of that because the Muslims have been doing this for a while. Yes. Actually. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, but that doesn't even register. On, uh, you know, people can easily talk about uh, it, it as if it just doesn't, and then switch to LGBT plus stuff no, as you, if there's you, no conflict. You get defenses from Owen Jones being like, well, the anti gay laws in Palestine are a result of British colonization. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> shut that up, Owen. Amazing. Just shut up, you idiot. <laughs> it's like maybe they could have been chained. Yeah, exactly. Hamas have been in power for like 20 years. <laughs> so um, I don't have much. Um, time to go through these last two things so i think i'll probably end it here but um i, I just wanted to say that this sort of thing has lots of far-reaching consequences and we need to be very aware of how these sorts of ideologies are being communicated abroad because the retribution isn't necessarily going to discriminate against who's been saying this sort of thing it's going to be you know we're all going to be tarred by the same brush and so there there may well be um bad things happening in the Anglosphere because of this uh, monstrosity, I'll call it. Yeah, I mean, when they're like, you've been transing my kids, I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of true. You know, mm -hmm. it's my taxes. Mm -hmm. It's my government. You know, they're doing it to my kids too, if that helps. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to something a little more entertaining, right? <laughs> because I love Scientific American. Uh, it's uh, my favorite publication. I hate it's, it a bit. So. It's, it's not in any way corrupted by far-left <laughs> ideology. And that everything they say is true. And so when they put an article like this, the theory that men evolved to hunt and women to gather is wrong, you know that you're in for truth. Raw, unfiltered, scientific truth. I'm already very angry. If I was American, I would be so embarrassed to, that there was a... Like, can you yeah. imagine a, ma a magazine called Scientific Irishman that, that had <laughs> stories like this? We'd never live it down. So they begin by just uh, saying, well, look, the, the, the theory that men go and hunt uh, in hunter-gatherer societies is obviously nonsense because women have clearly uh, superior hunting and gathering skills. In fact, nature's optimized them as such. Um, and so this uh, entire theory just has to be abolished at this point. Man the hunter, they say, has dominated the study of human evolution for nearly half a century. Uh, but the thing is, it's wrong. What did men do? Just out of interest. We just sat around, didn't we? We just put our feet up. Um, well, we like the lions and a lion pride. It's like, right, the women have to go out and hunt and then we just eat the... the, I, the I'm, I'm sure this article is going to be based on all of the paleoanthropological evidence, which I've spent a considerable amount of time yeah. reading. Um, well, oh mounting evidence from science, Josh, 
ask. Just science generally. Just science. Uh, no, it says that's exercise how, science. Yeah, it's exercise science. What's exercise science? Science of exercising. So oh. people who studied physical education are now telling me about paleoanthropology. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Those are the people I want to Women disentangle. Women are physiologically better suited than men to endurance efforts, such as running marathons, and therefore, women did the hunting. And, it's that uh, simple, Josh. Who has won the London Marathon uh, uh, every year since time immemorial? Listen, you with your facts. We're going to get <laughs> to those in a minute, right? But we're trying to create a BS narrative about how okay. women are exactly the same as men in every way and always have been. Uh, and so there's lots of evidence to suggest that there's no difference. Uh, going on a little bit more further, they actually do tell us about the difference. I'll see if I can find it. It's quite a long article, this. I've uh, pulled out the... So, as you can see, the power of estrogen would imply there's a physical difference between men and women. Mm -hmm. They say the muscle fibers of females differ from those of males. Females have more type 1 or slow twitch muscle fibers than men do. These fibers generate energy slowly by using fat. They are not all that powerful, but they do take a long time to become fatigued. They are the endurance muscle fibers. Males, in contrast, typically have more type 2, which is fast twitch muscle fibers, which use carbohydrates to provide quick energy and provide a great deal of power but tire rapidly. Uh, it's literally the next paragraph. The iniquity between male and female athletes is a result not of inherent biological differences between sexes, but of how biases are in how they are treated in sports. Um, what? <laughs> Just, what? What is, what is wrong with you people? You literally have the biological anatomy out to show people there are physical differences between men and women, and they're like, yeah, but the differences are not the result of inherent biological differences. It's, it's, this, this is like uh, uh, however many words devoted to getting uh, men into female spaces. That's yeah, that's what it yeah, is. It's, Scientific American yeah. has been completely captured. That, that's precisely what it is. Because what it, they want to establish in your mind, obviously not in reality, that there is just no physical difference between men and women. Yeah. That's what they. That's the, they're trying to achieve it. And so, if they can arrive at the point where there's no difference between men and women, why women run marathons better than men? Apparently, uh, then women can have been in every male space, and therefore every man can be in every female space. Why wouldn't they? I, I like, you know, it, it's so infuriating. I just recently, I went to the Battle of Ideas, you know. Oh, yeah, how was that? That was good, yeah. And I met um, I met this woman whose daughter was a silver medalist in, uh, I think it was jiu-jitsu. Why was she, she a silver medalist? I don't know. Oh, it wasn't that. I thought you were going to say I was because oh, man no, 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 gold no. or something. No, she didn't. She didn't right, get right, beaten right. by man, but she has now left the sport. Right. Because right. she says it's just, she said it was impossible to deal with the men in, in, right. involved, you know? Yeah. Another woman, another young girl has, has quit her football team, someone I met. Yeah. You know, and it's because of uh, boys who are just kind of, did, who've, yeah. who've realized that this is a fast track to getting a lot of goals in a game and yeah. looking like a kind of star, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, it's outrageous. I just don't understand why it's happening. I, I sometimes feel like I've fallen through some portal. That's because we literally have fallen through some portal. <laughs> Bizarro world. So just, yeah. I mean, just, we've, we've got the, 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 the statistics, if we need to, if they were helpful in any way, shape, or form, you can look it up. But for the 10 fastest men ever, uh, men were faster than women in 50 mile, 100 mile, and 1,000 mile events. I was like, really? I'm going to chase my dinner for 1,000 miles, am I? Mm. You know, obviously. And, oh, sorry, and the 3,100 mile event. Imagine running for 3,100 miles. But right. it's like, 
like all this all this effort they're putting into trying to disprove all this stuff is just extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, men. They say to summarize, the fastest men were seventeen to twenty percent faster than the fastest women for all distances. So okay, that's fine. That's it's not a it's, that's not a dunk on women. You know, that's not saying women suck because they can't run three thousand miles quite as fast as a man could run three thousand. Like. That's, no, that's just the fact of human biological difference between the sex, right? Well, and men and women have complementary niches, don't they? It, well, yeah. And the thing is, though, the, as you can see in here, they say, look, the the difference in the time that um, each one took narrows as the distance they run becomes longer, right? So men, the the gap is a lot faster for men in short distances because of all the type two muscle fibers, whereas over long distance. It is narrow, but the thing is, the men are still faster than the women. It's like, okay, that's interesting. I saw this. I saw this uh, young girl the other day carrying her brother. You know, hmm. um, who was like a, a toddler, quite a heavy looking toddler, and she had her kind <laughs> yeah. of he, he, she he, she had her kind of propped on his hip, on her hip, and had I was obviously walking for ages with this kid. You know, so maybe the endurance comes from having to lift children up. A lot and carry that. Well, a really good hypothesis. No, no, I I think you're absolutely right on this, right? Because my wife can carry my kids longer than I can. (laughs) And I mean it, it's because the hips, right? I can't just put them on my hips. So I've got to like hold them up properly. Yeah, that's another. Which is tiring, right? But she can actually leverage them on her. And I I always see her carrying around thinking, aren't you tired? But but it's like those kinds of differences are seen as somehow bad, you know? Morally, morally. It matter. It, yeah, they, they don't matter like more. You're locking a yeah. woman into motherhood. And well, no, you can do whatever you want, you know. But yeah. this is this is how we've evolved. So let's go back to this because there's a, another part in this. And like I said, it's a really long thing. I'm going to try and find it. Um, where they say, but I want you to pay attention to this framing, right? The modern psychological evidence, along with historical examples, exposes deep flaws in the idea that physical inferiority prevented females from partaking in hunting during our evolutionary past. Why would you use the term physical inferiority? Yes, interesting. That's a that's a, a prejudicial term. Yes. That yes. has moral connotations. It's not very scientific either. We were very strongly advised against using emotive language like that in our scientific writing. Right? Yeah. Why would you do this? And so they say the evidence from prehistory further undermines this notion. Males living in the Upper Paleolithic, 45,000 to 10,000 years ago, when early modern humans entered Europe, do show higher rates of sets of injuries to the right elbow region known as thrower's elbow which could mean they were more likely than women and females to throw spears. Right. What? Right. So the male skeletons have got injuries on their elbows because they're throwing spears. The women don't. <laughs> but, but, quote, it does not mean women were not hunting because the period, it, this period is also when people invented the bow and arrow. Why didn't the men use the bow and arrow, Scientific yeah. American? The, the women invented bows and arrows. Go, listen, you stupid men. We could use it, and they're like, "No, man, you spear. What, what, what are you doing?" Also, didn't well, famously didn't Amazons cut off their breasts to fire arrows? Um, I think there might have been a tribe, or was that, that, that a myth? somewhere? Oh, I yeah. think it might have been a myth. Right, I'd, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, but uh, but they say the idea that uh, in the past men were hunters and women were not is not absolutely unsupported by the limited evidence that we have. Right, it's not absolutely unsupported. <laughs> right, that's yeah, very scientific American. Yeah. That's that's very very concrete. Um, because basically, you know, th- and th- there will be examples in the in the past. There was an example in Peru where they found a female skeleton who had clearly been hunting. So yeah, 
But that's not what they normally did, because that's through, you know, people have to cope with suboptimal conditions. It's also worth mentioning as well, part of the reason that we know human beings had a pretty stark division of labour, that men tended to do the hunting and women did the gathering, is that it wasn't true of all hominins. Um, And so you have um, species like Neanderthals, for example, Mm. that um, you you can see from their skeletons, as well as their injuries that you find um, in the paleoanthropological record, that... um, it's more common to have hunting-related injuries in um, Neanderthal women than it is for Homo sapien women, um, because they were less sexually dimorphic. Oh, it, that's it indicates oh, yeah. that there's more similarity between them than there are with human beings. And one of the hypothesized reasons why Homo sapiens succeeded and uh, Neanderthals died out it's is because we didn't send our women off to hunt. Yeah, well, <laughs> if if you want to reproduce effectively, putting women in out danger. of danger. <laughs> And allowing them to be safe yeah. and risking just the men who, from a biological point of view, are more disposable, makes sense. I, I, again, I, I would I would ask you to imagine if this if this was called scientific Irishman, because <laughs> scientific because, Englishman, because I'd be deeply embarrassed. I, I, yeah, yeah, Irish people wouldn't put up with something this stupid being 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 put out under their own name. It's so unbelievably thick. Mm. But the interesting thing about scientific American is it's very. Um, it's very kind of authority uh, kind of allows it to be to degenerate in this in this oh, yeah. way, you know, like that. Even the font, it just looks scientific American. It just looks impressive. Yeah. It's obviously got a, a great history behind it, but they've made themselves a complete laughing. The, the quality. Oh, sorry, Carl. No, no, no. You go ahead. Um, it, the, the quality of lots of scientific publications has steeply declined. I covered. The last- um, Yes, uh, I covered. Um, oh, the Lancet. Yes, Jesus. Mm. I covered the decline in the the journal Nature, which is the sort of premier scientific journal. I, I once had a professor say that most um, academics would kill their own grandmother to get a publication in Nature, mm. and um, they were t- talking about how it was right for them to talk about how Donald Trump is a bad president mm. as as a journal. How is they that were weighing your into business? politics. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, anyway sorry, let, me, yeah, uh, yeah. let me carry on. So um, they, they, f- they finish this by just saying this. <clears throat> Female physiology is optimized for exactly the kind of endurance activities involved in procuring game animals for food. At the end of a hunt, there is something that happens. You have to physically subdue the giant beast that you're trying to eat. So, okay, you've chased it for a thousand miles. Fair enough. Why would the people with the lower amount of upper body strength be the ones tasked with subduing a giant wild animal? Just a question. Can can you flip to the end as well? There's something. Uh, there's something there that now they're now that is not so clear what they're up to. The last paragraph. Now, when you think of cave people, we hope you will imagine yes. a mixed sex group of hunters. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's what they're up yeah. to, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that's precisely it. There's, none of this is descriptive. This mm. is normative. We want you to be yes. in a certain way. And, uh, and the thing is, the weird thing is, I just don't know why they didn't explain it to the actual hunter-gatherers that are still living. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> like, there, are, there are people in the world who, and this is a group of people called the Hazda people, right? There are only 1,300 of them left, but they have, in Tanzania, been there Tanzania, for a yeah. Ta- is it Tanz- uh, Tanzania, Got you back. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Foreign words, I'm not on. <laughs> um, but they've been there for 100,000 years living this same lifestyle. And uh, it's the men who go out hunting. The women stay home. 
and gather roots and berries while the men favor handmade bows and arrows. And really, I just want one of the experts to come down and say, no, 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 no. Look at the women. Look how they evolved. Obviously, they're the hunters. You're just a bunch of bigots, <laughs> cavemen, misogynists. Get out and go and hunt. And there, there, there are people who have been to this tribe and you know gone on hunts with them and stuff like this. And they, obviously, it's the men. They go out, they hunt some big beast, and then they carry it home. It's like not very controversial for me to say that the experts oh, the, are liars, I think, in this regard. The funny thing is, when I um, studied social psychology and group dynamics and things like that at university, um, we were talking about the sociologists um, in sort of the 20th century that went out to all these tribes. And it was notable that there was only sort of one matriarchal uh, hunting society. And it was just like, oh, isn't that weird? Isn't that a, a strange sort of quirk? Yeah. Rather than, oh, yes, this is true of everything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, we'll leave that there and we'll go to some comments. Uh, we have lots of comments about you, Graham. Okay. All terrible, I'm afraid. I can't oh. I'm joking. I'm great. <laughs> Sophie says, Graham Linehan, no freaking way. I'm a huge fan. Father Ted, Black Books, The It Crowd. I've enjoyed all I've enjoyed hugely and love rewatching from time to time, especially Father Ted. Uh, Russian Garbage Even says, Graham, pleasure to see you here. It Town and Father Ted was so, uh, It Crowd and Father Ted. IT the best. Crowd. Is it IT Crowd? <laughs> it's either. It's okay, is yeah, it? Yeah, all right. Ah, ah you oh. got got. Um, some of the best series I've ever watched. You know, all of these are still being mean to this day. Timeless classics. Uh, Ron says, thanks, Graham, for all the laughs. JJW says, uh, that's a, says this episode should be titled, That's a Turn Up for the Books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the Shadow Band has sent us $100 on Rumble saying, Happy third birthday. It was our third birthday yesterday. Okay. Thank um, you very much. So thanks. Um, right, so let's go to the comments about the actual segments we've just done. Uh, Mike says, I went to Oxford last Saturday and saw a poster advertising trade union subsidized coaches to London for the pro-Palestine march. Of if course. any good can come of this, the university students coming face-to-face -face with arch-Islamists. It's a weird constituency, isn't it? Yeah. It's very odd. Um, Kevin says, so the organizers of the protest march have said they will not be going near the cenotaph. That won't be easy as they plan to walk from Hyde Park to Downing Street. The only way to get to Downing Street from Hyde Park means they must pass by or near the Cenotaph. Um, yeah, that's true. It's, um, I can't remember the name of the road now. But you have to go past the Cenotaph. Don't, don't look at me. I've been to London a handful of times. I've, I've been to protest there. Like, it's, you have to go through there. Mm. Um, they oh, it's Whitehall. Yeah. So they have to use Whitehall to get there. I suspect the police will be patrolling the veterans and those parading at the Cenotaph rather than the protesters, as we all know how this goes. Yeah. Totally true. Uh, General Haiping says, surely, if anything, former Hamas leader should get you turned away at the airport. <laughs> no, it gets you a council house. <laughs> like, you know, you can't get a council house in London. You know, I even, I couldn't get a council house. Even I got hassled at airport security. I went on a holiday this summer, although I had been to the Czech Republic shooting and they found gunpowder on my fingers, so that might oh, not really? help. Right. Um, that sounds like fun, though. It, it was great. Yeah. Um, Matt says, as a Northern Irish person, I find the hyperbolic rhetoric around Tommy quite humorous. We had literal paramilitary leaders in government, and yet the leader of an ineffectual protest movement is seen as a supervillain. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? It's like, what, what have they even really done? EDL and all that. I don't know. I, I, this is like a, a, an area of cancellation I don't want to explore. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they've just been really badly maligned. Well, I will, say, I will say one thing, though. I believe that Robinson was one of the first people who was talking about what was happening in Rochdale to yeah. those girls. Yeah. And I think Farage was as well. Yeah, Farage was a few years afterwards, but mm. when it became evident that Tommy wasn't just some 
upstart bigot, and he was actually like pointing out actually there is a real issue for girls in these towns. Mm. So that's an interesting aspect, especially when you consider that those scandals went on for 30 years. It's unbelievable. And the, the fact that the Labour Party and the councillors covered it up, yeah. the police covered it up, yeah. like, it's unbelievable. Um, Pericles says, Tommy Robinson isn't allowed a bank account, but Hamas leader is given government housing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just preposterous. I, 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 I really don't like, I don't like having to bang the drum, but the scales are so weighted in favor of one and so against the other, it just seems unfair to me, if nothing else. Uh, Tim says, I shall be going to the event in London with a couple of friends, dressed well, acting distinguished, dignified, and unmoving. One might say I'm going to church. Uh, I should take a video or two for you while I'm there. Please do, but also stay safe. Um, like I said, I'm not advising or mm-hmm. disincentivizing anyone to go. I think it'd be safer to go there in a, a headscarf, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, you know, one of the Palestinian ones. Well, I mean, At least you know you'd be okay. Probably will. Uh, AK says, I've noticed several other Palestine marches scheduled this Saturday in market towns. It's worth in market towns. It's worth keeping an eye for, out for them. Uh, George says, feminists use the trans phenomenon to attack masculinity for decades. But now that faction is getting more protections than biological women for playing the gynocentrism game better. My only reaction to that civil war is laughter. Well, you know, that's the kind of like a very wide umbrella to say feminists. You know, there's different, there's different kind of, yeah. um, uh, groups within feminism, you know, and, and there's, there have been women fighting against this stuff since the eighties. Mm. I I know a, a, I have a lesbian friend who says that, she, you know, she used to have lesbian, uh, discos and stuff like that. And, uh, they were regularly invaded in the eighties by the odd, you know, cross-dressing man, you know? So, <laughs> you know, I don't know how they can't just. I would just, even if I was like, no, I really believe this, I'd still be like, oh, I feel like I probably shouldn't be here. Well, it's, it I always think of about, about it with the, the, the sports cheats. I, I, I mm. cannot put my, myself in their shoes. Mm. Uh, I, like, it, it, it's quite close to having a criminal mindset. I'm going to go and play the sport and I'm going to win because I'm a man. Mm. It's, I, I just don't, I don't get how anyone can mm. be so shameless. Yeah, it's shameless is the right word. It's yeah. genuinely shameless. There used I, to be a sense of fair play in the past as yeah. well. That yeah. Some yeah. people still have, of course, but uh, it, it seems to be in rare supply these days. I guess I guess cash prizes and things like that incentivize, um, mm. incentivize these people. I heard this really interesting story once. Apparently when cops are looking for someone, and let's say they know that they're somewhere in a shopping center, uh, and they drove there. The first thing they'll do is they'll look at all the handicapped parking spots because criminals love using handicapped parking spots <laughs> because they their attitude to life is, well, that's for suckers. I, mm. I'm, I'm not a sucker. I'm going to park there. So the first thing they'll do is they'll go to those spots and they'll see if they can find the car. For a split second now, I thought you were going to say disabled people commit more crime. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, where is this going? But, but, but it seems to me that there, there's more people than we realized who have that criminal uh, outlook on life. You know, at this, everyone else I, is I want... a sucker. I'm going to win a thousand pounds by coming first in a women's uh, marathon. You know what I mean? So I wonder how much of this is a case of the internet allowing them to find one another. Oh, because... I think it's all about coordination. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the, the number probably isn't terribly different. It's just that now they can actually get in contact. So otherwise you'd have been in some village in Barnsley or something. It's, I, 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 there's a bit in my book where I talk about it, where I said, you know, imagine if Jimmy Savile had the ability to communicate with every other Jimmy Savile in the world. 
then you, he wouldn't have needed to become a famous DJ. He could just like you can you don't need the keys to the hospital mm. if the whole of society yeah. has agreed that you're one of the loveliest groups of people in the world. God, you know, it's awful though. Man. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'll carry on. Omar says, until Elon took over Twitter, social media wouldn't even crack down on child exploitation and abuse. With that frame of reference, it's no surprise that they don't care about mutilation, children or otherwise. And the media tried to lie about it and say that it went up as well. Yes, mm. which is a very peculiar thing to mm. play defense for, isn't it? It's very interesting that since Elon came back, uh, or since Elon uh, took over, um, two child castration charities, I would call them, have left uh, Twitter. Uh, the Trevor, oh no, really? The Trevor Project and Mermaids have How? both closed their Twitter. Oh no. How terrible. <laughs> <laughs> They've all gone to TikTok and Snapchat. <laughs> or, Where that's allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tell, people have got their complaints about Elon, but I, I'm just like, look, man, look how much good he's done already by just making... well, community notes in itself is a oh, it's so good, it's so good. It's... But but just I think just allowing the plurality of voices, even if you don't agree with them, if you don't like them, I think it's necessary that they exist. Yeah, I'm still so, shadow banned though. Well, I mean, who isn't? You know, but <laughs> I, I, I got my account back, which I was just like, yes, yeah. So I was thrilled about that. Being shadow banned is a badge of honor these days. Yeah. yeah, all the best people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all, all the best people are shadow uh, A man who thinks about the Roman Empire says, uh, oh no, it was wrong, wrong section, sorry. Um, we've got a lot of comments, but we haven't got that much time, so I can't go through all of them. Um, Matt says, the trans issue could be discussed for hours. It provides such insight into the worldview of the left, bizarre, unintelligible, and insidious in equal parts. Everything from the callous disregard for facts, regardless of the damage done to both women and confused children, to the disdain for the existence of any category one cannot simply will themselves into, but act as a barrier to the unlimited, quote, authenticity in Sartre's sense of the word, despite how fringe the issue it seems. For a lack of a better term, it intersects with so, much, so many other aspects of left-wing thought. As you can tell, uh, the quality of our commentators is just so much higher than anywhere yeah, else. Yeah. And I keep saying this. Whenever. Very well said. Yeah, it's very well said. And, but, that, but that, I think, is the key thing, isn't it? It's the idea of a category that is impermeable. Yeah. That's really what they're against. And I, and I, and also I would say this is uh, I, I don't have you ever read the Eric Hoffers the True Believer? Uh, it's uh, he was this very interesting guy, self-taught intellectual. Uh, he wrote it in 1953, and it's about the um, it's about what mass popular movements have in common. Right, and he goes from Christianity to communism to Nazism, and it could have been written yesterday about the trans movement. You know, it's all like, you know, he says things like it's usually a movement of middle class people. This is a, this is a oh, very, yeah. a middle class yeah. movement. It attacks the family. First of all, um, this really attacks the family. It separates children oh, yeah. from their parents. Um, and there's so many other things that as you're reading it and he's, 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 uh, applying them to, you know, how Christianity, uh, uh, took over in the, uh, Roman empire and all this sort of thing. But, uh, Everything you see could be true of uh, of of the trans movement. It's it's a brilliant. I really recommend anyone who's interested in. Sorry, in, what was it called again? Uh, the True Believer by Eric Hoffer. Right. Okay, I'm going to get that because I'm, I'm a big fan down. of these sorts nope. of books. I've never heard yeah, of that. You'll love but, it. But the 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 thing the thing, and it's not just because I'm a dad, but the thing I'm most um, wary of. Is anything that gives children moral authority of their parents, <laughs> like because and you see this all the time, especially in America, where the the kids yelling at the parents that they're transphobes or the racists mm. or whatever it is, mm. and and so 
they don't respect the authority of their parents in any way, shape, or form. It's like, no, that's just wrong. That's just Well, it's a kind of year zero, isn't it? It's kind of a uh, Cambodian is. Khmer Rouge type uh, of, of attitude to people. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but anything that disrupts the sort of natural hierarchy of parents and children in that way, I think is deeply suspicious. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, as Desert Rat says, so this journalist is protecting, uh, projecting her views of society onto another country. This is the India thing. Society, culture, and religion. Transgender ideology is almost exclusive to North America, Europe, and Australia, and a few select Asian countries. It is not a worldwide concern. People from other countries are far more concerned with just making it through the day. To be honest with you, I think most people in Western countries are just far more concerned about making mm. it through the day. Yeah. And, 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 but, but it is true that it's, I mean, you see it all the time. And I've seen, you know, I, see, I saw an Irish trans activist the other day right. talking, but saying something like, um, y'all, he said, y'all, y'all think this and that. And they're just completely American. Irish trans activists saying y'all. <laughs> y'all, yeah. <laughs> they're just completely Americanized and, and they yeah. haven't, they, they don't notice it about themselves because it's the water they're, they're swimming in, yeah. you know, but it's all y'all and folks. Folks, it's always trans folks. Have you noticed? Oh yeah, yeah. You know? I have noticed that. Actually. Folks, if folks is the word, and it's like you know, I actually quite like folks as a word because I think I think it's it was, homely. Well, it's and also it was a bit of a brilliant, um, a brilliant uh, rhetorical thing by Obama. I think I think he yeah, really yeah. brought it in, and and I thought, yeah, that's a great, great unifying thing mm, to say, mm. but like all good things, it's just <laughs> being misapplied now. Yeah, you know, like some of the folks that you're talking about are not. Folks, they're they're dangerous people, you know. Andrew yeah. Miller in Scotland, Adam Graham in Scotland. These aren't folks. <laughs> These are, you know, this is a new type of uh, uh, problem that uh, has to be talked about genuinely. No, so it's totally true. L linguistic subversion is something I'm very hot on because it's it's ninety percent of what they do to get to where they want to go. Exactly, and also what it does is it, it destabilizes everyone else. Yeah. Because when words can mean anything, then you can win any argument. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and and. In the same way that trans means nothing, really. I mean, it's a meaningless term that kind of uh, covers too many different experiences yeah. to be useful. Uh, transphobic is a is a kind of really powerful weapon because you can apply it to anyone. Yeah, I mean, what what isn't transphobic in some way? Well, apparently, <laughs> male hunters are. Well, apparently, apparently, hunter gatherers. But <laughs> other, other thing going on to hunter gatherers. In fact, Omar's got a great point. Notice they always use superiority and never suitability. That's a great, That's really interesting. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Early humans didn't have the luxury to rely on less effective people in the desperate scramble for survival. That's a totally great point. But that's exactly it. It's all linguistic games and the characterization in the framing. Because like, uh, yeah, if you say suitability, suddenly it becomes evident that yes, the men are more suitable to go and scramble in the bushes and try and bring down a lion or whatever they're going to eat mm -hmm. that day. You know, obviously it's just suitable for the men to do that, and that's why they're developed to be stronger and that's why they live less long you know what was the word they used inferiority yeah they use inferiority and superiority yeah yeah it's just like they're they're loaded judgmental words yes that they like you said they should not be using because you're trying to be neutral mm. on these things uh grant says i just looked up the 3100 mile race because i couldn't believe it's a thing and they say that that's the men that the men's time is faster and the record for men is 40 days nine hours and six minutes the women's record is 45 days, 12 hours and 28 minutes. But just running 45 days, man. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> impressive, no matter who you are, is I it? I can't run for 45 minutes. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah. I but he peaked at about 10 But he does, he does point out that that's a 10% difference, which it is 
actually quite significant mm. and it's like that would be a statistically significant difference absolutely and so it's it, and again it's not about inferiority or superiority you know if anyone can run 3100 miles that's <laughs> incredible um uh as there's around says um and this is again one of those things that is just true men have a superior sense of direction distance and uh, i'm going to expand on your um point a little bit uh, spatial awareness as well and Men have got like weird eyes compared to women. They track <laughs> no, they do. They, they they track motion a lot better, mm. whereas women are much um, more responsive to color tone differences. The, right. Things um, like that. The sort of cognitive perceptual literature seems to suggest that men are much better at spatial navigation, whereas women navigate based on landmarks. Mm. So it's a different style of navigation right, normally. Right. And all of these things would be important if you were hunting. Yes, and also <laughs> if you if you are traveling as well, say you are migrating. These two skills would actually complement one another because yeah. um, you know both are useful. Yes, uh, suitability, not superiority. Yes, exactly. So my points out. Yeah. Um, Baron von Warhawk says men evolved to hunt while women evolved to gather is nonsense. Meanwhile, I look at my personal life and notice both my uncle and grandpa love deer hunting while my mother couldn't stand the sight of blood or deer being gutted. I'm noticing a pattern, guys, but I can't put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's just true, and everyone can everyone can tell it's true. And so all of this nonsense. Uh, George, we'll, we'll end on this one. George has got a question for Mr. Linehan. Uh, what were the reactions to the speech episode of the IT crowd or IT crowd at the time? Uh, it had a pretty big joke involving a trans person. I can't imagine the BBC executives of today would allow something like that. Well, it was Channel 4, but like they, right. they yeah, they, um, they banned it subsequently. So it's no longer available on Channel 4. Um, and at the time, yeah, I noticed a, there was pushback, but I, it was very early days. Right. And I thought, oh, this is weird. It was a weird new kind of, um, annoyance from viewers and no one else, you know, I'd never got complaints from, you know, people countdown viewers or anything like that. But for some reason, you're not allowed to talk about, uh, trans people. Mm. Um, that was the first time I realized, oh, this is much more of a hot button than, than I thought, you know? Right. Okay. And how, what, what year was that? 2007 or 8, eight Really? Nine. So that eight, far back? Yeah. 2010, maybe. I'm not sure. But that's, that's watching still... it around the time it came out and it didn't strike me as, as controversial at all. It's not. You yeah, know, that's because you're normal, Josh. And Thank when you. they banned it, when they banned it, Channel 4 sent me a letter that was uh, just full of stonewall talking points, that none of which are true. Stuff like, you know, trans people are uh, uh, uniquely subject to violence. Trans trans women are the most are the safest demographic in the UK. You know, like there was one. Uh, uh, like I think there were there's been two trans people killed in the UK. In, in yeah, I've just never heard of it. Yeah, in in, in I've heard yeah. of them getting put in women's prisons after they've been raping yeah, women. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's like it's like you know they just kind of accept these uh, talking points from these heavily uh, ideological organizations. You know, so. It was a, it was it was a bit, it was a bit annoying when they banned that episode. I'm going, I'm going, I'm not, I'm, I've not let it go. You know, I wouldn't. I no. wouldn't. You know, the the the. I I always say that. Look, if you're going to essentially be an activist, what you've got to do is have a win condition. So getting your episode reinstated should be part of your win condition. That's a good idea. You know? Yeah, definitely. So whenever you whenever you have to talk to any of these people, like, no, put my episode back. Yeah, you know, demand it because you've got to make the demands for them to concede to them. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, Graham. Thank you so much for coming. This has been really great um, and totally unexpected as well. Like five years ago, I would never have guessed I'd be saying. Well, yeah, I used, to, I used to be a, 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 <laughs> an enthusiastic counselor of yourself. I know. And, I know. Uh, so, where can people find you if they want more from you? Where can people find what? 
Where can people find you online if they want more? Oh, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Glinner, although you won't be able to find me if you search. You're going to have to just write Glinner and send it and then click the word to find me. Um, the Glinner update is my Substack, which uh, where we, we just kind of do a regular um, uh, uh, kind of catalog of things that have been happening to women, um, but also kind of uh, reports from whistleblowers and, and people in the NHS and things like that. Um, yeah, those two things. And my book is on Amazon. So please, please pick it up. You know, it's, uh, it's not all about this stuff. It's like yeah. 70% about writing comedy. I was going to say, it, it, I, I haven't read it obviously, but, uh, yeah, but I assume it's, uh, quite autobiographical given the title. Yeah. It's a memoir and right. it's like, but it's like, like for 70% of my life, uh, I wasn't fighting lunatics, you yeah. know, and, uh, it's only the last 30% of the book that really goes into it. The rest of it is about, you know, writing Father Ted, casting it, uh, the various problems that came up with each each mm. different series. So it's funny, but like every every time we thought everyone would want to talk about Ted, but no one does. People just want to talk about the trans stuff. You God. Know? That must be really <laughs> annoying, actually. Uh, I don't know. Well, I suppose if it's a passion of yours, then that's okay. Well, I, I just like it is very good to be able to actually make the make the the uh arguments because one of the things that the other side doesn't want you to do they don't want these arguments to be heard oh yeah so now i have a little bit of a platform where i can make the arguments and show people that it's not based on bigotry it's based on uh, respect for women you know graham that's only because the arguments are devastating to their case i know um yeah. <laughs> you've yeah. got to cut it out yeah. anyway thank you so much for joining us folks uh, go follow graham and we will be back on monday so have a great weekend we'll see you all soon